0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Five Connecticut tribes are working together with state education officials to develop history and social studies lessons. The process is aimed at incorporating tribal voices and concepts into state social studies standards taught in all public schools. It comes at a time when other states are limiting student access to local and national history about native people. We'll hear examples from some selected schools that have found success with collaborative teaching ideas. That's right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. As wildfires rage across Canada, many First Nations find themselves in the path of the flames. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the Canadian government is mobilizing resources to help.
2: Canada's Emergency Preparedness Minister Bill Blair says there have been nearly 2,300 wildfires across Canada, from British Columbia and Alberta to Ontario, Quebec and Nova Scotia, not to mention the provinces in between. Several First Nations communities have been evacuated because of the advancing fires. Some buildings and homes have been destroyed.
3: There are 13 First Nations that are evacuated. More than 6,500 people remain evacuated.
2: Patty Haidu is Canada's Minister of Indigenous Services.
3: It is uh, the safety of people that's the first priority and occupation, uh, preoccupation of the chiefs that I've spoken with. Indeed, people are working incredibly hard to make sure that people are moved to safety, not just from the effects of the fire itself, but certainly the incredible health risk of being exposed to the degree of smoke that folks are are facing in communities.
2: Haidu says First Nations remain on the front lines of climate change. Their communities are not only devastated from the effects of wildfires, but many are surrounded by forests that provide the economy that many members work in and depend on. Haidu says Ottawa will stand with those communities as they reassess what it will take to rebuild, as well as helping with evacuations. She says what Canada is facing is an emergency, and it is all hands on deck. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk.
1: U.S.-Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski is raising concerns about child care in her state. She recently spoke during a Senate committee hearing about the lack of child care. KMBA's Jill Freitas
4: has more. Murkowski says in her home state, 61% of Alaskans live in a child care desert. She says they have nothing.
5: So when we're looking for for workers from everything, from slope workers to teachers to, to doctors, I'm having workforce issues in other spaces because we don't have access to childcare.
4: Murkowski used the community of Valdez as an example, which she says is struggling economically due to the impacts of not having reliable and adequate childcare.
5: They're trying to get some providers, they got some nurses that are lined up to come, and they find out that the only licensed childcare facility in all of Valdez has closed down, and there's no plan for it. The Coast Guard says, if we don't have child care there in Valdez, we're not so sure about the viability of, of Valdez as a Coast Guard community.
4: She says it's not only about no child care facilities, but also the price of child care in general. Murkowski pointed to a recent article which showed long waiting lists and high costs in communities around the state.
5: At the child care facility just up the road from, um, from where I used to live there in Anchorage, what, what children, what families are being charged for one kid, seventeen hundred dollars. You tell me how a family, who's a teacher and a firefighter, is is finding seventeen hundred dollars for their one kid. So it's not only childcare deserts.
4: Murkowski is co-sponsoring a bill to provide grants for states to expand the supply and capacity of childcare providers. She spoke at a hearing in the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. I'm Jill Freitas.
1: The U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs has passed a bill to establish the Truth and Healing Commission on Indian Boarding School Policies in the U.S. The commission would document the impacts of boarding schools on tribal communities and then make recommendations for healing efforts. The bill passed with feedback from former students, descendants, tribal leaders, advocates, churches, and local governments. They provided testimony for the record following a hearing on an identical bill last year. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: National Native News is produced by Kawanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
6: Support by AARP, AARP creates and connects people to unique tools and programs, helps conserve personal resources, and tackles issues that matter most to individuals, families, and communities. More at aarp.org. Support by Vision Maker Media. Currently seeking two digital media specialists and a director of project productions and services. Information on required qualifications and how to apply at visionmakermedia.org.
0: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. The Department of Education in Connecticut is working with the state's five tribes to develop a Native American studies curriculum for K-12 schools. The curriculum is required by legislation last year that requires tribal history and culture be taught in social studies classes. The curriculum will be implemented in the 2023 and 2024 school year. It's a push in a direction different from states like South Dakota, where limitations of Native history were recently passed. Today on our show, we'll speak with educators and those involved with drill-building curriculum for the state of Connecticut school districts, and we'll get insights from the founder of a private school in South Dakota. But we also want to hear from you. How would you like to see social studies curriculum change in your state's public schools? Join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Get your calls in early, folks, and we'll get you on the lawn. Joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico is Mary Bowman. She's the founder and head of Osheti Shacoay Community Academy in Rapid City, South Dakota. She is Standing Rock Sioux. Mary, welcome to the show.
7: Thank you. Thank you for having me today and giving me the opportunity to speak about the school.
0: Absolutely. In Washington, Connecticut, we're joined by Darlene Kasich. She is Education Director at the Institute for American Indian Studies and a traditional storyteller. She is Scottacoke Tribal Nation. Darlene, thanks for joining us.
8: Oh, thank you for inviting
0: me. And joining us from Uncasville, Connecticut, is Samantha Tondro. She is the Director of Mohegan Curriculum and Instruction. Sam, great to have you on the show today.
3: Sean, thank you for including me in this conversation as well.
0: You bet, Sam. I'd like to go ahead and begin today's conversation with Mary Bowman. And Mary, the Academy, congratulations. You folks just opened up last fall. Here it is, already summer. Were you pleased with its first year?
7: Yes, I, I am very pleased with our first year. Um, we had a little rocky start. We had, you know, uh, some of our teach. we had a teacher quit and everything, and we kind of were short-staffed all year. But i um, very pleased with how the year went, and um, I believe our families are, too. It's, it's the feedback we got from our families that, you know, everybody is very pleased with how our first year went.
0: Well, that's wonderful to hear the news. Now, Mary, coincidentally, South Dakota, these newly adopted social studies standards that leave out many references to native history. Did you expect for this to happen during your Academy's first year?
7: Um, I would, yeah, I would say so. Um, it's really unfortunate, though, because I think the feedback was ten to one um, against the proposed standards, um, because of you know the harmful things that are in them. Um, it was more erasure of the indigenous people of South Dakota. Um, so yeah, it was it was very um, disheartening um, for all the students that you know are the indigenous students for all the non-native students. It was just dis- disheartening to. Um, for that to happen, um, but also it's not surprising because um, one of the things that we were trying to do is get uh, charter school legislation passed so we could get public funding for the sustainability of schools like ours. And um, the legislation that was proposed by the South Dakota Ed Equity Coalition um, had you know, funding for just two schools, our school and another school, um, the Rosebud Reservation, which are all um, indigenous um, philosophy types of schools with the culture and language at the forefront. Um, and they, it was, it was. Um, I think that bill was brought three times and each time it was shot down. So not surprising, it's just um, South Dakota is not a friendly state when it comes to things like that. And with these new social studies standards, I know a lot of um, educators are actually afraid to introduce uh, more cultural aspects to lessons.
0: Now you mentioned uh, these three attempts by state lawmakers to bring the legislation forward. So how was it that you folks were able to, to pay for the school?
7: Well, right, currently we are privately funded, so it's through donations. Um, we are heavily funded by Indian. Our school was actually an initiative that was started by Indian Collective. And so um, we are heavily fun- funded this first year, and we've had other um, s- smaller donations. Um, but that we are privately funded. so yeah, we're we're always looking for fundraising.
0: Now, going back to these state standards, Mary, because of that, do you think that you've seen greater interest from parents interested in going to to the academy now that there are limitations to what type of native history students are going to be exposed to in South Dakota public schools?
7: Um, I wouldn't know if it was strictly because of that, but I would say that what we've heard from our parents that do come to our school is that um, there is a lack of opportunity in the local school district for their students to learn the language and learn the culture. And that is one of the, we we do a survey, you know, we did it like three times throughout the school year prior to opening the school, even we surveyed, and it was always the number one thing that parents were looking for was um, language and culture is what they would like to see in the curriculum. So at our school, that's what we use to teach our students how to read, to write, and to do math. We utilize the language and the culture.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about a, a typical day at the uh, Osheti Shakawi Academy. What do students, uh, what does their typical day look like?
7: Yeah, every morning we start our morning with a morning circle. Um, and the kids learn that, that, you know, the circle is a very sacred symbol in our culture. Um, There's a lot of things that we do and are are centered around the circle. So we start with the morning circle where we say a prayer in Lakota and then we do do a prayer song in Lakota. And then we share gratitude, uh, something that we're grateful for that day. Um, We greet each other, we shake the hands, we go around and shake the hand of the person next to us and we refer to each other as relatives because that's the foundation of our school is our kinship beliefs or Wakota kinship, kinship beliefs. And so they we, they refer to me as Unchi because they're all the age of my grandchildren. They call their teachers Tui, which is auntie. And um, the teachers refer to them as niece or nephew. And they're all my Takojos, they're all my grandchildren. So um, that's very deeply rooted in our school. And and not only, because in this, in this morning circle, we don't only talk about like how we're related to each other. And to you know, all other human beings, but we're also related to everything around us, you know, the, the environment, the land, and, and we need to take care of it, everything and every, you know, the land takes care of us and we take care of the land. So in everything that we do, they're, they're hearing this constantly. And so they do, um, they learn their kindergarten. So they had to you know learn how to read and to write and then they would go into Lakota language and learn how to read and write in Lakota. They would do math, and then they would go in and learn how to do it all in Lakota. So all day long, they're um, learning in English and Lakota. And it was really interesting for me because I had to, when that teacher left, I had to step in and teach, and teaching them to read. And so we're doing this sound recognition, and I said, so here's the letter T. Give me some words that start with the letter T, and this was about, You know halfway through the year and they started giving me words in English and Lakota very rapidly and it was like really um, it really surprised me but also I I heard in uh, when I was designing the school and in research that kids who learn dual languages do better on state assessments and I've always I didn't know the why behind that and then I seen the why their minds are rapidly um, microprocessing between English and Lakota And so, you know, they're just building that brain power. So, um, yeah, those are some of the things. We also incorporate some type of cultural activity uh, every week. And so they've learned and and at certain times in the year, we do certain things in in our culture. So in January, we make something called chantrasha. It's what we use for our prayers. So um, they did that at that time. And then they um, and they also learned about the medicines and everything that we harvest. Um, we've done moccasin making classes for the families. And so when our kids had their promotion ceremony in May, at the end of May, um, every child walked across that stage with moccasins with their parents' DNA on it. The parents' DNA carried those children across that stage because their parents made their moccasins. Mm. Everybody learned you know, how to do it. And they, we also had like um, ribbon shirt and skirt making workshops. And so, all the parents, you know, made the, um, the attire, the cultural attire for their students. Um, they learned, we brought in storytellers, elders came in and tell, told stories, um, and at the end of the year, we did a sacred site visit. We visited two of our sacred sites, but also prior to doing that, our students learned about those, um, those creation stories. And so, at the promotion um, ceremony, they introduced themselves in Lakota. They sang and prayed in Lakota, and they also um, retold one of the creation stories at the at their promotion ceremony. So they got to kind of showcase everything that they learned for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, there, our literacy program is, we piloted it from NISN, NACA Inspired Schools Network, and that's why I'm in Al- Albuquerque here. I'm at a convening with NISN. Um, we, and it was um, a literacy program that's, it's all of the authors are indigenous, All of the stories and the enduring understanding are Indigenous um, thoughts and processes, important things that we know as Indigenous people. So the kids would hear a story in my class and I'd say, this is an Iroquois story. And I had a map and all it is, is where all the Indigenous people are across the um, country. And so I would point and the next time I told the story, I'd ask them, you know, what story is this? And they would tell me, you know, where it came from the people and also where their homelands are. So they got to learn about all the indigenous people across um, North America, as well as their own. And at the end, you know, we really focused on the oral storytelling of our our local area here.
0: Mary, this all sounds so wonderful. We're going to have to take a break here in just about another 30 seconds. But really quickly, remind us again, what are the grade levels currently offered there at the Academy?
7: Well, this coming year we'll, we will have first grade and kindergarten, so we'll we'll have a new kindergarten class come in, and our kindergarten this year will be in first grade. They'll be moving okay. up to first grade.
0: started with kindergarten. I imagine you'll just add another grade every year. Is that the plan?
7: yes, we will we're adding a grade each year eventually we'll have a k through twelve school
0: Got it, got it. Well, we're learning about some really innovative Native American studies curriculum. That have been developed in South Dakota and we're also going to learn about some programming up in Connecticut anybody with a question or comment 1-800-996-2848 that's our number phone lines are open we'll be right back a native photographer spent years taking portraits of tribal members all over the country Her work is now compiled in an extensive collection that is praised both for its beauty and sensitive representation of Native people. We'll talk with Matika Wilbur on the next Native America Calling.
7: Bonjour, calling all warriors. It's time for self-care. Fathers, uncles, grandfathers, sons, and nephews all deserve a chance to be at their best to protect their loved ones. Use this checklist to keep track of the preventative health services you need. For more information, visit go.cms.gov slash men's health checklist. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services.
0: Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. We're talking with Native educators involved in developing social studies curriculum in South Dakota and Connecticut schools. If you have a comment or a question, join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848 or just call 1-800-99-NATIVE. Mary Bowman is the founder and head of Osheti Shakoi Community Academy in Rapid City, South Dakota and Mary, before break, uh, you just gave us a wonderful account of that first year there at the school. Sounds like everything just went really, really well. And it sounds also very interesting how you've been able to develop this curriculum and students are learning not just Lakota culture, but other Native cultures as well. And I'm really intrigued by topics like math that you explained students are learning from the Lakota language perspective. So I want to ask you, um, what did you folks learn this year with regard to this curriculum that you're going to be able to use next year maybe tweak a little bit maybe make some changes what are your plans
7: yeah um I what we learned is that the students are really engaged in what they're learning and that was the whole thought process behind using using the culture as well um, because they um they're all learning if they're more engaged they're going to learn what you're teaching them and it was interesting to hear when we had our parent-teacher conferences for parents to share that what the kids go home and they're sharing what they're learning in our classrooms when they go home. And um, so what the lessons they're learning in the school are really transcending the classroom. And so a lot of those things you know, are, are continuing on. And so a part of our mission was to really strengthen the cultural identity. And um, I have to say at the end of this first year, they are so confident. They've come so far, they're so confident and um, in the language you know people always say that kids little that it's better for younger kids to um to, for them to start learning a language younger because they um, learn it quicker and i have seen the results of that they they pick up everything so quickly much quick, quicker quickly than me because i'm learning some of that stuff too, some of those things too <laughs> about the language and they they pick it up so much quicker than i do so um that's one thing we learned um so some of the things, yeah, we're just going to continue on. We one of the things we worked on this year is a graduate profile. So at the end of kindergarten, what would we like them to? Um, what would we like them to know? And so that's one of the things we're working on this summer is creating that profile for first grade. So what would we like them to know after first grade? So um, I think just on continuing on from where they are. So they learn these, and I'll give you a for instance. They learned this. Um, the creation stories and they could retell it in English. We would like them to be able to retell them all in Lakota. And you don't see, you know, people doing that. They do that in adult um, Lakota language classes. But, you know, we're, I think our little ones, these kids are gonna be able to do it at the end of first grade. And not only that, we would like them to be able to like, act out, you know, the whole, one of the whole creation stories. So that's one of the things we talked about them continuing on. Um, When you, when we talk about math, and incorporating the, the culture and language and math, um, we did a lesson about the star quilts and how that came about um, for the Lakota people. And we utilized the, um, the idea of the shape of the rhombus, which is what, it's a diamond, and that's what star quilts are made out of, is diamonds. So they learned the, the properties of, because for kindergarten, it's pretty basic what they need to know, but they just needed to know the properties of what makes the rhombus a rhombus, and then um and then they made a star quilt. We had all these shapes cut out, and they it was you know a g uh they they had to really match and it, like a puzzle. they had to put you know these shapes together to make um a star quilt, and also they had to make patterns because math is all, all about pattern making, so it was really interesting to see you know their projects when they got done, as well as them to be able to retell that story how we came about um with the star quilt and that tradition we have of honoring people um, with star quilts, which started with the buffalo. Rope. So there's a lot behind that lesson, and we can even expand on that more as they get older and make it a little bit more sophisticated. But we really think it's important that they hear these things um, repeatedly, because if you think about it in, in public schools, you hear all these things in history and everything, you hear them repeatedly. They just get a little bit more sophisticated. So. That's, that's how it will be with the culture and the language as
0: well. Well, I'd really like to be a, a fly on some of those classrooms and, and watch some of these activities and these lessons. They just sound so, so inspiring. And, Mary, I want to thank you for joining us today. I know your time is limited, but uh, we're going to be keep paying close attention to the Osheti, Oshaki, or excuse me, Osheti Shako'i Community Academy up there in Rapid City. And I uh, hope you have you on the show again and give us another update in the future. How does that sound?
7: Oh, yes, I would love to come back and let you know how it's going. All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I, the other um, ladies on the call as well, I just appreciate all that work. You know, these are all things that need to be done um, and our indigenous students, as well as all students, it will benefit all students to learn and know these things about the people that walk this country first. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Mary. Let's go ahead now and head east to the state of Connecticut. And again, we've got two guests in this state, Darlene Kasek and Sam Tondro, Samantha Tondro. And Darlene, I'd like to go ahead and start with you because I know that the state of Connecticut uh, reached out for assistance. And when did they, when did the state of Connecticut decide that they wanted tribal consultation on a new social studies curriculum?
8: I believe right from the onset, um, they decided that, the native stories should be told by the indigenous people themselves, um, and right from the beginning, they reached out to get, you know, native representation on their committees and such. And from that, it we spun off with the Five Tribes committee, who are working on supplying the state with the content for this curriculum. It's a pretty exciting time.
0: It sure sounds like it. Five tribes there. In Connecticut. So tell us a little bit more. What's included uh, in these middle school and high school grade lesson plans?
8: We're going to start with the middle school and high school um, for the beginning of September 2023. And it's going to go into a more in depth history um, of Connecticut, the place that we live in, as well as some of the major events that happened um, throughout history. I think it's important that we teach all of the history of our state, not just some parts of it. You know, um, it begins, you know, in elementary school where, you know, they learned about the founding of America. And then a couple of months later in November, and oh, by the way, there were these Native American people living here at the time. It, it's taught in a way that doesn't make sense. It needs to be taught in a timeline fashion you know, what started first, what came next. And it also, I strongly believe that students need to be introduced to the culture of the indigenous people that lived here on the land, their priorities, their uh, way of interacting with the land and using resources. Because if they could better understand the Native American culture, they could understand some of those conflicts that come up later on in history, when a new culture that comes in with Totally different worldviews um, on land and such. So it, I think it's it's long time coming. Um, now, my museum, we have been teaching um, school groups for the past forty five years. So teachers are coming to us because they want a more in depth story. You know, we it's not this was you know before it became mandatory. Um, so there is a lot of interest in this area, um, both for the indigenous students and the non-indigenous students as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like they reached out to you because you have so many years worth of experience. And I also want to ask you, darling, because earlier, you know, listening to Mary and a lot of resistance to Native education in states like South Dakota, but it sounds like Connecticut is very supportive of what you're doing.
8: I have to be honest with you, in all the years that we've been doing this, There hasn't been any pushback, you know, from, you know, those groups that, you know, are trying to stop it in other states. Um, It's not sure how the things are going to proceed in the future. But, you know, at this point, um, you know, we haven't had those same issues that they have had in other states.
0: That's great news. Darlene, tell us more uh, about this committee. How were you folks formed and who else is on it and what are the various roles?
8: There's at least one or two representatives from each of the five um, recognized tribes, and some of them have experience in um, education, some have experience, you know, in other areas. We're pulling all of our, our strengths together to create this content, Um I don't have all list of all the names because it keeps growing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, but like I say, it's, you know, um, really been exciting and a lot of involvement from our communities on, you know, what they would like to have, you know, have taught in this, you know, program. What, what is it about our culture and our history that we want people to know? Um, you know, what were the similarities? What were the differences? These are all the things that we're working on as a group. Um, we want to talk about our different tribal government, um, you know, just all the different aspects of what it is to be a member of a tribe here in Connecticut.
0: And Darlene, your own tribal history, Scatacoke Tribal Nation, what elements from from that history do you plan to include in the curriculum?
8: I find it to be a story of survival. Um, Our tribe had gone through many different changes, many different influences, and yet we still have held on um, to our beliefs and our our way of life. Uh, Maybe not as much as others. For example, our language has been lost, and that's something that we're trying to work hard on to try to rebuild. Our dialect has kind of disappeared. but we still carry those that connection to that land, to the respect for our ancestors, for what they went through. Um, like I say, it was a story of survival. And there were many ways that I found my tribe came up with some, you know, creative ways to survive. For example, during a period of time when the newspapers were writing about the last of the Mohegans, the last of the Golden Hill, you know, when they were making us disappear, the tribal elders in my tribe came up with this fabulous idea. We have two timber rattlesnake pits on our reservation, and what they did was they would invite wealthy lawyers and and, um, newspaper people and politicians to come up to the reservation and to go on a rattlesnake hunt. So Mm. these people would take rides from the cities and such, you know, come all the way up to the reservation, you know, gather as a group. They were a club. They'd go up the mountain. They'd grab up some some rattlesnakes, put them in a bag. They would, you know, be all proud of themselves. They would donate them to the Bridgeport Zoo and so on. Um, and then they would go back and write newspaper articles about us, about the, the rattlesnake club. So it was way to show people that we were still alive. We were still there. We were still a tribe. Um, that was just one of the i think unique ways that we found you know to be able to survive the the changes that were going on around us you know by using the resources that we had available and that was rattlesnakes <laughs> what they <laughs> yeah. what they didn't know was that the night before the, you know the guests were coming mm-hmm. the tribal elders would go along up to the uh, rattlesnake pit and capture as many snakes as they could and then plant them on the trail okay. leading up there <laughs> so it was like easy pickings
5: <laughs>
0: I think I figured there was a there's a catch here something like okay yeah. there we go <laughs> You got like catching catching fish in a barrel or or catching rattlesnakes in a pit yeah I get that Well Darlene another thing We find so fascinating about this initiative here is the five tribes of Connecticut all working together. And and do the five tribes collaborate often or is this something that's somewhat new?
8: Well, they've kind of, you know, grown apart in their own, you know, little communities. Um, So it's a really beautiful thing that we're all pulled together on this common cause with groups of people that really understand the importance of teaching an accurate history, you know, of their tribe. Um so it is kind of, you know, kind of new and kind of exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Now the curriculum will be implemented this next school year. So I mean, you're kind of in the eleventh hour here. You've got just a few more months to get everything squared away. Seems like just a daunting task from where I'm sitting, just getting all these lessons together. So much homework and legwork needs to be taken care of. Are you folks ready to roll come fall? We are
8: getting there. Um we work best under pressure. I always say. Um, <laughs> I think we'll be, you know, we'll have a good program ready um, for September, and then for the younger grades, it's the following September, and that'll be more of a rewrite of the curriculum. Um, in September for the middle school and high school, it's inserting this history into the curriculum how it's already written
0: at this point. And these lessons will be taught in all public schools in the state of Connecticut. Is that right? Right, right. All righty. Well, congratulations on on this initiative. Just sounds wonderful. I want to go ahead and bring Sam into the conversation now as well, who's also in Connecticut. And uh, Sam, I want to ask you a little bit more uh, about the, the current curriculum there in the Connecticut public schools. How comprehensive is it with regard to Native American history that's currently taught?
3: Yeah, good question. Um, I wanted to chime in on everything Darlene was saying because we've been working together this whole time. Um, She's incredible. We've built an incredible group with our five nations and our teacher allies. We have many teachers and administrators on the curriculum project with us as well. Um, I would say that currently in the younger grades, um, Native American Studies is being taught in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, But what I've found and Um, Prior to my director position, I was a fourth-grade teacher, Um, so I was in the classroom, in the thick of it, um, writing curriculum myself to include the Native American perspective because a lot of the curriculum is stuck in the past. We're teaching about how Native Americans lived in the 1600s and wigwams and longhouses and canoed on the water, and while all of that is really important, we also want to teach students that we are still here today we have identity, we are resilient, we have sovereign nations, we have a relationship to our land, our culture, we have oral tradition, so all of these large topics are our goal to integrate into the classroom. In high school we are creating resources and histories of our five nations, so each nation is going to be in charge of creating their own brief history Um, we can make it as short or as long as we want, but as you were just talking about, it's a big project, and we're all working on it really hard. Um, We want to provide those brief histories for educators to build background knowledge and to give them more resources to teach in the U.S. history courses and the world history courses. Because, of course, before the American Revolution, before this land we now know as America – um, we had Native nations thriving. We were communities before America was founded, and we want to build that foundational understanding for teachers.
0: The Department of Education in Connecticut is working with the state's five tribes to develop a Native American studies curriculum for K-12 through schools. And we've got two guests on our show today who are explaining how that's all working. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
6: Challenges to societal harmony abound. Trauma, depression, addiction. In Native communities, these challenges affect nearly everyone. The Native American Social Work Studies Institute educates social workers for careers to address the needs of Native communities. You can be part of the solution as a peer support worker, community health worker, or a counselor with culturally relevant training from the Native American Social Work Studies Institute. Info at online.nmhu.edu. New Mexico Highlands University supports this show
0: you're listening to Native America Calling. Still time to join this conversation about including Native American history in the curriculum in public schools. If you have a comment or question, join our conversation 1-800-996-2848. That number is 1-800-996-2848. Maybe you've got a young person in school right now, you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you're an uncle, you're an aunt and uh You've got some thoughts about what it means for students to get cultural education? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Our number, 1-800-996-2848. You can also listen back to today's show and our past shows on all major podcast platforms. Think Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other ones that are out there. I can't list them all. There's so many. On the line now is Sam Tondrew. She's in Uncasville, Connecticut, Director of Mohegan Curriculum and Instruction, and Sam, listening to you before break, as well as our other guests, Darlene and Mary, and I'm thinking to myself, like, South sounds so wonderful, students having a chance to learn some of this amazing history, tribes in Connecticut, tribes in the Great Plains, but I'm also thinking to myself, it's got to be a challenge, because there's so much information, there's such a wealth of knowledge and culture, how do you pick and choose, because obviously there's not enough time to include all these wonderful lessons in one curriculum, is there?
8: There's a lot of similarities we found um, that could be covered in the beginning. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, that pre-contact history as a whole. And then after contact, it'll dive deeper into each individual tribe's history after contact. So it could be the teacher could focus on, let's say, the tribe that's closest to their school, you know, their their most local tribe that they're, they live near.
0: Well, Darlene, thanks for jumping in there. Appreciate it. And, uh, well, tell us a little bit more. I mean, like, for instance, uh, Scattercoke Tribal Nation history, I mean, you shared a little bit earlier, but um, were there some parts that you just don't have enough time for to include that maybe you'll include later in upper grade levels? Are you thinking about that?
8: Well, that is going to be a challenge. Um, We're going to supply, you know, a short, brief history, but then we're going to also supply resources for a deeper dive, um, you know, for those teachers that want to take a closer look. Because it is a long, long history with a lot of, you know, um, complicated issues that come up regarding, you know, federal recognition and so on. So the teachers can pick and choose from the resources that we supply them with, you know, and take it as far as they want it to go. If they want to get into civics, if they want to get into different areas of study, you know, will have those resources available to them to
0: use. Back to Sam Tondreau now, and Sam, these lessons, these various activities, everything that the the students are going to learn in these classrooms, were you able to, to look to other models, like for instance, what Mary's doing in South Dakota and what the NACA network is doing in New Mexico? Were you able to, to, to learn from those folks and implement some of those ideas into what you're doing there in Connecticut?
3: That's a good question, Sean. Um, prior to this initiative, prior to this mandate, um, I'm very proud to share that our tribal nations have good relations with the state of Connecticut, and we do have a curriculum that was created by the Connecticut State Department of Education in 2000. So we do have a document to work off of, And yes, we've been looking at other resources that have already been created. We have a lot of people on our curriculum writing committee that have been curriculum writers in the past that have experience in inquiry-based learning. We have a new standards framework with the state of Connecticut. So while we can totally look at other great models, we still have to stick to our Connecticut standards and what our goals are Um, our content from native nations Um, so how we decided on what to add into this curriculum because yes there's so much history there's so much depth Um, we agreed upon creating and I say we as in our five recognized tribes of Connecticut we agreed on creating a foundational unit for all K to 12 teachers because it's really important to provide the background knowledge at the start of teaching Teachers should understand what they're teaching before they figure out, um, you know, the the topics or the projects. Um, It will include Native identity and resilience. Um, After that, we're going to be teaching who the Eastern Woodland peoples are. And as five nations, we've been gathering and meeting to figure out what, what are our commonalities. What can we teach educators and students that we have in common? To create those common lessons and then from there the five tribal nations will have their own histories and that's where students can really dig into the similarities differences or even different events in history but then the last part of our curriculum that we want to create is who are we now we always want to bring learning into the present and into the future um, and to truly show that we are still here today so I'm very excited to be a part of both the Native Nations project and a part of the state curriculum work.
0: Sam, I'm glad you mentioned the teachers because it, 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 it dawns on me most of these teachers in these public schools that will actually be implementing the curriculum will not be Native. So what types of training and other resources will be available to get these teachers? Because this is all going to start here in just a few months.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Coming from the teaching world, I understand the importance of professional development and providing resources. So our first step right now is really creating the content. Our five tribes are working on planning a professional development day with Connecticut um, Central State University in June, and that'll be our first rollout of You know, please join us if you would like to learn about indigenous studies with the five tribes. And we continue, we're going to continue to offer those professional developments. And they are organized by the state of Connecticut. The state of Connecticut wants the tribal nations to teach the content. um, But honestly, there are over 3,000 schools in the state of Connecticut. And how does one reach all educators? So we're going to have to be very, um, very creative We're also going to reach out to schools to give them um, information and resources such as, hey, these are the local Native nations around your school. You should go visit them. You should bring your students to the museum. You should contact us so we can provide outreaches to your school. So very proud to share that our Native nations are so supportive of education when going into this endeavor.
0: Now, have you spoken with any of these teachers yet, gotten any feedback? Are they excited to go out and implement this curriculum?
3: Yeah. So I provide professional development to teachers from the Mohegan Tribe specifically, and I've been traveling around the state of Connecticut. I've worked with, uh, I think, just over 30 school districts so far over the past year. And some of the schools that have been reaching out want to learn more before the mandate is put in place. They want to build their background knowledge. They want to work on their curriculum. And just as Darlene had sit, had stated, our goal is to build good relations, to build, build positive outcomes for educators and students, students native and non-native. And so far, teachers that have been reaching out are very responsive and very happy to the content we've been providing.
0: Now, Sam, earlier Darlene mentioned that this is all going to begin with middle school and high school. And at what point will you introduce some of this with elementary students?
3: Good question. So starting in January of 2024, there's going to be a model curriculum delivered to K-8 to students. And in that model curriculum, um, the mandate itself required different heritages and different cultural backgrounds to be included. And that's where the Native American Studies um, will exist. Now, it will be up to districts to decide where exactly will it be taught Um, The mandate does not say it has to be taught in every grade, but I have many school districts that are asking to create a scope and sequence, K-12, to so that all students are exposed. Um, So teachers, administrators, everybody's very excited, possibly a little overwhelmed, um, but we're all in this together to support each other.
0: And the cost for all of this training, all these uh, materials, resources, is this all covered by the state or is there additional funding as well?
3: That is a very good question. So far, the work of the Five Nations has been free of charge. We have been volunteering our time. Um, we have been working, even some of us, during our work hours. And we are giving the professional development right now free of charge. Um, so there's no cost. Um, I'm not sure where you know grants and funds can help us in the future. Um, but right now, everything from the Five Tribes has been voluntary. So pat on the back to everybody involved.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, I want to go back to Darlene and um, Darlene, of all the different lessons that have been created so far, what are some of your favorite ones? What are you most excited about implementing here come fall?
8: I'm most excited about sharing our culture and our way of interacting with the land. I think that students are so disconnected to, you know, where things come from that they've lost that great mystery of life um, in teaching them about our culture, how we interacted with the land, how we believe that we are no more important than any other living being. You know, in our culture, all beings have rights. Um, and, you know, if we can influence the minds of, of students, you know, um, I think that would be a truly beautiful thing. So I'm mostly excited about teaching them, you know, hopefully to, you know, know, influence them as far as the ecology goes, things and steps that they can take to make improvements, you know, rather than continue on the course that we are on now. I think here at the museum, that is the topic that teachers and students are most interested in is is the you know ecology aspect you know how they could learn to live better with this land mm-hmm.
0: well and you mentioned i mean uh, give us an example like an ecology lesson what is, is it going to look like will kids be outside in nature doing things with their hands will it be interactive tactile
8: definitely outside interacting with the land but most importantly to coin a phrase by albert marshall um, To see things through two eyes, whether it be from, you know, indigenous eyes, one eye with indigenous lens and through another eye with Western science lens lens, and how you could use both of those eyes together to come up with a better solution. Um, You could also use that two eyed seeing as looking at things from different perspectives, looking at things from an animal's point of view or a plant's point of view. Or water's point of view, you know having that open mindedness you know and and respect for all living things I think is something that you know everybody can benefit from
0: and back to Sam and and building on this idea of hands on lesson plans are are there any specific hands-on activities or learning opportunities that you're most excited about, Sam
3: I agree with Darlene's first um you know teaching about the three sisters and That leads very naturally into oral tradition and storytelling. Um, Storytelling and oral tradition can be taught to students K to 12. Storytelling is a standing tradition in all tribal communities today. And it truly brings um, a continuation of culture. It brings in preserving of the past. And we can teach so many themes through a story. Um, I'm excited for students to, you know, sit in a circle and listen, and observe, and remember, and share, and keep that story going continuously. Um, Mary had mentioned in the beginning of the hour that her students in her academy sit in a circle every single morning of every single day to build that routine and to build that traditional understanding. And I think that oral tradition and storytelling will be one of those core concepts that are taught in the classroom.
0: And Darlene, back to you, because um, I'm just thinking there must have been a huge need for knowledge keepers such as yourself who have this background, who know this information. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the other folks that are contributing there to, to providing all the insights that are necessary to make this curriculum impactful?
8: You know, we each come to the table with our different skills and talents and knowledge. And I'm finding it to be an absolutely wonderful learning experience myself. Um, I think we all complement each other that way, where I, you know, I'm a storyteller. So, you know, I can share that aspect with others who, you know, might not be, you know, storytellers themselves. And on the other hand, other people are are sharing, you know, medicinal plant knowledge that, you know, I may not be aware of. So it's also a a learning experience for all of us working together with each other.
0: Sam, do you think this project will lead to future collaborative efforts within the five tribes there in Connecticut?
3: I do think so. Um, Prior to this project, too, our tribes in Connecticut were very intertribal, so we do go to events and socials and gatherings. Um, We see each other dancing and drumming and Um, at wigwams and powwows, so we certainly see each other, but we weren't creating things together like this curriculum today. And I think creating this curriculum is going to open up a lot of opportunities for education for students in the future, for sure.
0: Really fascinating discussion today here on Native America Calling, learning about very, very progressive, interesting educational initiatives In the state of Connecticut also in South Dakota just some wonderful things going on with native educators native thought leaders and uh, doing what they can to introduce Native American studies curriculum in grades K through 12 in public schools and charter schools even some private schools so some wonderful wonderful developments here we're learning about on Native America Calling and unfortunately we're gonna have to wrap it up we're just about out of time but before we do that I want to thank our three guests today Mary Bowen Darlene Kasich, and Sam Tondro for what's been a really, really enlightening discussion on education. Join us tomorrow as we hear from photographer Matika Wilbur about her ambitious new book, Project 562.
6: Until then, have a great rest of your day. Education Sovereignty, it begins with us. That's the theme of the National Indian Education Association's 54th Convention and Trade Show to be held in Albuquerque October 18th through the 21st. You have an important role to play in the ongoing effort to reclaim education sovereignty. The agenda includes an educator day, a student day, professional learning opportunities, and the NIEA awards ceremony. Early bird registration ends July 18th at NIEA.org who support this show. Support by Amerind, Indian Country's 100% tribally owned insurance partner. Amerind works with tribal governments and their business enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian Country. More information on property liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto solutions at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com.